Did Swedenborg have any dialogue with Jesus? Did the angels help us find and connect with our soulmate? Does Swedenborg mention suicide? Will we be able to see God when we pass God away? God is omniscient, and why would How he can someone you? gain Do heavenly reward? Is the afterlife more lined up? God is still alive. Why can storms Does Swedenborg tell us anything about our Is there any particular. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Swedenborg in Life. We're back in the studio live on Monday night. Thanks so much everyone for joining me. We're going to get to your questions, try to answer them as best as we can. I'm Curtis and I'm the host of Swedenborg in Life and we have back with us again the Reverend Shada Sullivan. So nice to see you. Thanks for coming. Hello, thanks for having me. Yeah, and rounding out our panel, Dr. Jonathan Rose, series editor of the Theological Works of the published news entry edition of Manual <laughs> Swedenborg. And then we have Chelsea Odner, who's a writer extraordinaire on Swedenborg and Life the Show. So thanks to both of you for coming yeah. as well. Thank you, Kurt. Great to be and here. the game is played where you all write stuff in the chat and we take a shot at answering it. So let's get right to it because as we're saying, even with an hour, it's hard to get through questions. So let's, because there's so much we could say about each of them. So right now, we're going to answer our question. And this one is from Malik from YouTube. Since knowing about Emmanuel Swedenborg, going to church has been so empty. Because I can now see the mistakes in doctrine, and I can't pretend to be enjoying it. What do I do? Mm. Mm. So, so Swedenborg has made you into a church snob. What is, <laughs> what is your first step? So, okay, so here you go, and you may have, you know, it may be something you used to enjoy, and now you're starting to see. Wait, there's some there's some cracks in the foundation. What can you do? There's something you can get out of it, and I'd be interested. We got a couple of reverends here. So, so what do, what do we do uh, in a situation like that? Do you want to? Kick it off, uh, Dr. John. Sure. Um, you're in good company. Uh, Emmanuel Swedenborg found himself in the same boat. Oh. Uh, he uh, stopped going to church, and people were critical of him, but he, he just couldn't. You know, it was hard for him. Yeah. Uh, he also, interestingly to me, says that uh, there are worship services, there are church services in heaven, mm -hmm. and uh, when people disagree with the preacher— the preacher loses the inspiration and can't go on, you know. So it's interesting that that's a thing in heaven, you know. Like, that, okay, that, who out there disagrees you know. with me? I'm not feeling it right now. Yeah, right, right. Oh, that's me, you know. Yeah. So, I'm pretty sorry. glad that doesn't you, happen here. Yeah, do you want to leave or is it good or what? That's a rough gig. Yeah, it is, and and I know it is. It is really hard. It's it's difficult. Uh, churches can be places where you can participate with other people, volunteering and, you know, friendships and stuff like that. Uh, but there are some uh, churches that are just a little closer in perspective than others, you know, so maybe shopping around a little bit. I don't know. It's difficult when that enjoyment has gone out because that enjoyment in worship is a, is a precious thing. Absolutely. Does anybody else have thoughts on that? Well, you know, as, as somebody who is now in a pulpit, yeah. I, you know, my heart immediately is, immediately is like uh, wishing for everybody to go to church and right. the idea, you know, that, that people might not feel sad because uh, wherever it is, because church attendance is declining and that feels, you know, difficult for, for those of us who are leading. Um, 
but I think what I immediately am thinking of is how important it is that church is a community of people. Okay. And so it's not just an intellectual exercise, although, you know, certainly that's a really important part of it, but the community aspect can also be something that can be really fulfilling in terms of, of doing good things together or, um, you know, working for social justice in the community. You know, those are things I think that bond us in a different way beyond, you know, mm. particular doctrinal tenets. Yeah. So, um, so hopefully there's a place that, you know, the question asker can find that kind of bond that exists for them. Yeah, absolutely. Chelsea, do you have any, uh, any further thoughts? Yeah, I was just thinking similarly of like, if you can't find a place that you that thinks the same way as you do or has the same perspective, you can look for a place that um, builds the kind of spiritual community that you want to be a part of, you know? So I know people who go to a certain church congregation because they love the food pantry that it provides or, you know, this or that. They just love to be a part of those sorts of um, activities. And, uh, and the only other thought that comes to mind is that a lot of, because church attendance is going down from people are researching that, you know, why is that happening all over the place? you know, across traditions, but um, more and more people are coming up with ways to build spiritual community that isn't the sort of cookie cutter framework of a church service or, you know, what you're necessarily used to. And so I feel like more and more people are um, coming up with, you know, different kinds of small groups that you can host. You know, if you have an intention and you want to build spiritual community, there's sort of tools or resources where you could find a group of people who do think similarly to you or and then start something, you know. Yeah, and and I don't always agree with what I'm hearing in church, but and sometimes I try to just tune it out if I really realize I, I don't think I I'm into this message or something like that. But yeah. but it's hard for me. I was much better at it when I was in college, but yeah, uh, right. I've sort of <laughs> lost the ability to you know tune it out. Yeah. So I want so assuming that Malik wants to stay in the church, I have a couple of thoughts of what you could potentially do. Um, one is um, thinking about what's my role in this this community. Whereas before it might have been, I'm here to learn and, and receive what the church is telling me that I need. Right. You could be seeing yourself as, okay, well, I, I feel like maybe I have an inside scoop on something that even the, the church doesn't, but I can still be here as somebody who's trying to pull things in the right direction somehow, like that I'm I'm a contributor in my own way to it. Also, I wonder, you know, Swedenborg talks about in, I believe it was the ancient church, that there was a lot of differing doctrine, but they were That's all true. one church because of love. So That's can true. you, do you see the love you like in there? Like the, the people, do you, do you think they're, they're nice people and that they're trying to do, and can you connect with that? And from yeah. that connection, get past if, if the ideas are different. And so, but then again, yeah, but you never know. It may still be that at some point you got to, find a different a different brand for a little while or something like that so, yeah all right let's move on to the next one, one. i said, right. I said we're just gonna do one we're gonna move on so that wasn't so bad all right malik thanks so much for the question this is from matt does swedenborg give any advice or observation on knowing if a thought or impulse we find evil is from within us versus an outside spiritual influence mm. the most crucial i feel of subjects which is sort of inner discretion or where 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 are your thoughts and feelings sourced from uh, and one that Swedenborg has volumes and volumes literally to to say about so uh does anyone know uh, what, what's what's the answer Chelsea uh, yeah I um I was recently thinking about this for my own self and it's just I think Swedenborg's answer would be they're all from an outside spiritual influence um and what that frees us up is 
you know, when you, if you start having an inflow of super negative thoughts or something, like it's, it's like the weather, you know, it's, you're not accountable for the fact that a thought might come into your mind and that, but you're just accountable for, well, how are you going to, what context are you going to bring to it? Are you going to live by that or choose not to? And so, um, that really is where we get our spiritual freedom. And I think that starts with this. It's all from an outside influence and it's not yours until you decide to act on it, you know, and, or let it rule the way that you behave in your life. And so you can always be, and we can't, Swedenborg also says we can't, um, you know, counteract evil of ourselves. We need the Lord's power for that. And so even if we feel like, I can't stop myself from behaving according to this evil. We can ask the Lord for help and the Lord is able to free us, show us the way out, you know, even if that thought or whatever continues to arise in our minds. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm yeah. going to switch up the order by going second here. Because um, I just want to say that I know that this idea of out, outside influence on our thoughts can seem a bit um, disarming or unnerving initially, but I do think that that's sort of how the rest of life is. Like I've, I'm thinking, this is my mug right here, you know. <laughs> but actually, um, somebody else made this mug. A different person designed it. A different person shipped it here, and I actually did fill it with water. But I didn't pour the water into the pitcher that filtered it. There's, there's, we're connected with the human race and all of our possessions. Even like I think, oh, here's my hair, but somebody else cut it. And somebody else made the little bit of gel that I was like, okay, let me try to make this look good. But there's so much, there's so much. We interact with other people all over and everything else. So Swedenborg is just saying that in our thoughts, we're part of the same kind of community. We're playing a role, but it's not an isolated role. So I just feel like that's important to, like, it makes more sense. It's like, oh yeah, that's how all of life is. It's not that we're nothing, but it's, it's not that we're the totality. We're part of this thought community. But anyway, go ahead. And, and to me, that shifts the... Um the exercise, like rather than trying to figure out whether it comes from within or outside, yeah. then it's, is this evil? It is something in me responding to this or inviting this in? Yeah. You know, is, is it harmful or, or, or whatever? And sorting it out that way, you know, it puts you more, the way Swedenborg describes it, you're more in the position of being, trying to become sort of a connoisseur of these thoughts to say, Oh, I think this tastes like yeah. This tastes like that particular hell. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. And and um, and sift through them and say, you know, I reject that. I I, I accept this. Um, yes, and I like how you said something and you answers to it because certain thoughts come into my head. I'm just like, that's totally evil and stupid, and I would never. Right. Have been, but other ones, it's like, well, I know why that one's there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so I feel like that's a good way to kind of get a feel for yourself and like where where are my areas? I need that's to right. That's right. Shut up. Well, I think it also gets extra complicated when we think about the influence of culture and our environment upon us, Mm -hmm. the way that those things form us and form our basic assumptions in the way and our perspectives. Because then I think that there's ways in which thoughts piggyback on those sort of natural assumptions. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, being that fish in the sea and not knowing that they're Mm -hmm. surrounded by water, you know, that that it becomes extra tricky to discern thoughts that feel like they're part of the background noise, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because sometimes it's easy to think like when thoughts pop into your head that are like a fully formed kind of thing that seems foreign, it's easy to identify that as what was that, you know, like, right, where did that come from? But then when there's something that feels like that, it's the fabric of yeah. the culture that we're in, you know, um, we can sort of respond to it automatically in a way because, you know, we've been socialized to. And so that just takes an extra level of 
discernment. I don't mm, know. That's graduate yeah. level right, discernment, right. I that's suppose. Right. Yeah, or I don't is. know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so Matt's already there. Matt's, yeah, if, if you're there enough to say, what's up with this thought? You already won a battle. That's <laughs> just, right. That's yeah. just, just getting there. Yeah. Right. So right. congrats on doing that, Matt. And hopefully that was useful. And we're going to move right on. Like I said, <laughs> thanks, Matt. This is great. 12, 12 minutes, two questions. It's pretty good. All right. This is Katrina. Did Swedenborg recommend meditation? Mm. And this gets to the heart of the like practice conundrum. Yep. There is mm. so much Swedenborg material. And yet... Do we really have a blueprint for what to do and how to do it day by day? So I'd love anyone's input on this. Mm. Um, let's see. Who? Do, oh, Chada, do you want to start on this one? Uh, well, I was going to pass it to Jonathan because oh, I feel like you have a background in meditation and I've heard you speak about Swedenborg and meditation before. Yeah, the, um, uh, he really doesn't say it's true. Like he talks about the practice of repentance. He, he right. talks about things like, you know, he, t- he talks practice, in very yeah. general terms about self-examination or things like that. He never says, breathe in through your left nostril, breathe mm-hmm. out through your right, or sit in this posture, or do it at this time of day. Or you know, He never says anything like that, which is sort of frustrating to some people. And also, even just the word meditation that he uses, it's kind of difficult to tell. Sometimes it really seems like he means what we mean by meditation, and sometimes it seems like it means more like just reflecting in your thought you know like sort of deep thought or something it's not emptying the mind it's focusing the mind on something which is a big part of meditative practice um and yet so much of what he'll say he'll say i was meditating about this and then i saw a beautiful garden and there were angels and you know said wow his meditation is going really well you know (laughs) so so but he doesn't quite tell you do it exactly this way i think he was held back from giving us a specific recipe Mm -hmm. yeah Chelsea. Oh, um, yeah, I think definitely that did Swedenborg recommend meditation is no. And I'm just thinking about my own experience of like I was raised in a community where I was hearing, you know, Swedenborg's ideas my whole life and reading his books for myself later on. And um, it's always from a place of, oh, what is he doing? You know, it's never other than the like, well, yeah, practice live by the Ten Commandments, practice self-examination. He talks a lot about, like you said, the importance of reflection. Um, But then I'm just sort of on the sidelines like, oh, he's describing this state between wakefulness and sleep. And I know for myself, when I'm in that state, it feels like it's a meditative state. And or he's describing breathing and, you know, this kind of thing that then sort of ingredients maybe, but no clear way of like, well, then do this. Which I think is fun because it's meant I've just gotten to, you know, explore it for myself and try right. different traditions on for size in terms of various kinds of practices. So. Curtis, what was the title of our show about the, you know, it had the hypnopompic and the hypnagogic yeah. and all that stuff. Was that five, the was different that the five, five states, of, five kinds of five kinds of spiritual experiences? Spiritual experiences. Right, right. That's and, a cool show. On and that, so go watch it if, if you all haven't. And but But to get to that show where we had these different kinds of spiritual experiences um that took some deep dive research on your it's not like serious it's not like you open up oh swedenborg his book um, states of meditation you have to like dive deep into the stuff he was never going to publish and and i don't think right i don't think he's trying to deprive people i think he was trying to provide something that anybody can access which is the ideas and then methodology though is yet where he didn't dive very deep and i wonder if 
you can use the ideas as kind of a framework to point tools toward. Like if I'm doing yeah. meditation, what it's, you know, you could very easily do a meditation on what Matt was just saying about identifying thoughts because there's in a lot of yes, a lot right. of meditations we'll talk about that's right Learning when a thought comes thoughts. in just let it go like a passing cloud that's sort of it but it would just be like is it a passing cloud from hell is or it spiraling it, yeah. toward hell or is it <laughs> spiraling so, toward heaven so i feel like you could get a lot uh, from that. And, and, and the guys in the wigs back then were not exactly sitting around cross-legged on cushions, you know, oh, right? Like, well, this was before the Beatles. This so. was exactly <laughs> that's right. It was in that dark, dark yeah. period. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sarah, do you have thoughts? Well, basically, what you were saying that I think that all kind of awareness practices are just a really good foundation for the repentance work that Swedenborg really focuses on. So I mm. think if he were here, he'd say. Absolutely, go for it. Whatever, whatever it is that helps our, as you say, inner discernment, then that's a good practice. Absolutely, and it can vary, really vary. I'm pretty bad at the like still your mind kind of stuff. Like it just ends up being less meditative for me. But there's other things that really get me in the groove. So I think different people find find your stuff. Great question, Katrina. And I do feel like that's part of the work of people who are interested in Swedenborg going forward. It's like you know, like Chelsea. I know you've done like a like yoga with Swedenborg ideas and that's I think putting stuff like that together is like those are the tools of the future so let's let's keep doing it yeah that's right and I think he deliberately didn't they, they didn't come pre-assembled Package for us or something yeah, yeah. yeah we're, we're mm-hmm. just sort of making it up as we go along. yeah because they don't be out of date by now anyway okay yes. thanks so much Katrina let's look at our next question this is from Praveen my question is, according to Swedenborg, is everyone eventually able to be reconciled to God? Or are there some people that just can't be saved and are punished for all eternity? Now, Shada, you studied under George Dole, and I feel like he had a really good quote about this. Did you ever, did you ever hear, or mm-hmm. tell me if, this is, if you ever heard this, where <laughs> somebody said to him, and maybe this is just like Socrates, like he never actually said it, but um, <laughs> do some people really spend forever, eternity in hell? And he's like, well, they haven't yet. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds like something he'd okay. say. <laughs> so, but this is, I feel like this is one that we, we've probably tried to tackle this question before on this show because it, yeah. it is a confusing one in that love would seem to dictate that eventually you come around. Yet Swedenborg, while in his earlier stuff, seems to indicate uh, there might be some later on. He's pretty clear, like, no, you, you get a nature and it stays. Um, so what do you, how do you guys read that and, and what's the truth? Definitive. Can I take a crack yeah, at yeah. that? Yeah, go for it. All right. I think, I don't think there's, uh, I want to just sort of edit the question a little bit, like in the sense that uh, uh, are there some people that just can't be saved? There are some people who I believe choose not to be. There's yeah. nobody in existence who just by their nature cannot be you know yep. like the the lord doesn't allow that to to come about whenever that even seems like it's close to happening he shuts that down you know he's got to have people who who are salvable everybody's got to have a shot uh but there are some people uh, from what he says that who from the choices that they've made they're not salvable from that position you know the things that they love the things that they reject and fight against uh, the other thing that I wanted to comment on was the end part about punished for all eternities. Um, it sounds to me, from my reading of Swedenborg, like the punishment phase is is relatively brief. Like most mm-hmm. people get to the point 
it's sort of like I've pictured it sometimes like a, a prison where there are some new prisoners and so they're acting out and they, they go into solitary confinement or they you know they're, they're, but after a while you figure out there's no point in doing that you just get punished and so they learn how to work with the system and you know they, they kind of calm down or something and and uh, it's not that he describes hell exactly as being like a prison but but I think it's similar in the sense that I think some people learn to adjust you know how to avoid the pain and, and they're working they're doing jobs they have relationships and stuff like that so it's not punished for all eternity I think the punishment uh, is a relatively you know it you know might be a n- number of years but I but I think it's it, it's a relatively brief thing until they kind of figure out the system and figure out how to not go through those painful experiences there is that I know I usually bring this up when this kind of thing comes up is it maybe it's the end of divine providence where Swedenborg is like, forgive me for writing this to fill the rest of the page. Right. We once the evil did spirits, it. Yeah. Two evil spirits come up from hell, and they have a conversation. Swedenborg's like, well, the printer wants an extra page, so I'm going to print what they say. <laughs> and they're they're not saying, this is so horrible. Get us out of here, Swedenborg. Right. They they say to him like, you're you're a square for for wanting to go to heaven. Like this, everybody gets to do what they want to do. This is this is actually cooler here. So it, it does sound like. You know, divine providence has to have a single goal for everyone. It's not that for the people who are heavenly, it's trying to make them as happy as possible. For the people in hell, it's trying to really teach them a lesson. It's You're trying to make everybody as happy as they can possibly be under any circumstances. And the more um, destructive things we choose to bring into our lives, the tougher that gets for divine providence. But it's always trying to give you the best possible life you could have in any shape. Yeah, so, I think so. Right. Yeah. yeah, right. Um, yeah, further thoughts? Shout out, Chelsea. Yeah. Well, just because all of God's actions are according to divine mercy. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, uh, hell is not designed to be a punishment. It's designed to be, as you say, like the greatest possible level of contentment and happiness that people allow themselves to be open to. Yeah. And to not hurt anyone else, right? right. Like the, the right. God could indulge the people in hell a lot and then they would wreak havoc but you know up until the point at which they are stopped to do that they are uh, allowed to be what they are which i suppose is an an, a real that's an amazing act of love it it is yeah i um uh wesley the founder of methodism was actually upset with swedenborg because he thought that swedenborg's hell was too too nice you know yeah i mean you get to mm-hmm. have sex you get to do what you want if you're into money be into money or what yeah. you know whatever it is and he said wow people on earth have it way worse than Swedenborg's <laughs> hell how are you going to scare people with that <laughs> idea of hell mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i think uh it's interesting to think about like you guys are mentioning the principles of divine providence like that the lord is mercy itself that part of the nature of the Lord is to be trying to save us all the time and save us from our own evils, you know? And so the angels are totally in line with that as well and are trying, you know, the best they can do is just curve it, you know, and say, okay, well, you're not allowed to do that or something. But I just think of, uh, you know, I remember us finding for one of the shows about how some of the highest angels are the ones that um, are present in hell because of the love that they have there yeah. and so that present not like they live in hell but they're like helping the, yes yeah. able yeah, to sort of keep the pe- yeah, and, yeah right. and so just the way that you know even in terms of thinking about being reconciled to god it's not it's not like a, okay well now we'll forget we'll forget you guys for eternity you're just locked up in this place it's like there is always this action of trying to help 
and bend and curve as much as possible but there's this huge force which is the will of any person you know to keep going back to Mm -hmm. their evils and whatever right and it's a really strange thing i'm still sort of grappling with but the way swedenborg describes it there's something worse than just being uh thoroughly evil which is to be part evil and part good where these two things want to destroy each other in you and so the lord avoids that so the the hell is a mercy compared to other situations that people would get into if they were more more mixed you yeah. know so it's mm-hmm. hard to wrap my head around it mm-hmm. but but uh he, he does teach that a number of times okay so I, I my my view from what he says is that no not everyone is eventually able to be reconciled yeah. to god um yeah. but no people are not in the sustained ridiculous state of horrible pain and punishment you know i think they get over that okay so that's all we're gonna say to this question thanks very much Okay, I think they stopped watching. Now, let's get heretical for a second here. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's the, the question behind the question is, is there in the future, come on, you're God, right? If you're God, I, in, me and my teeny little job at the Swedenborg Foundation, I'm always thinking like, how can we do something bigger and better and cooler? There's no way that God's like not scheming on some way that, it, yeah. you know, 45 million years from now, there's not going to be hell, right? I mean, right. what do you guys? I mean, does that does that right? Well, it goes to the question of what we believe God is, right? I think yeah. uh, Rob Bell asks the question: Does God get what God wants? Yeah. Right. And if God wants everyone to be in heaven, then God is not getting everything that God wants. And how right. do we reconcile that with God's power and God's mercy and God's uh, motivation? Or you know, yeah. it's. Yeah. It's a one, difficult question. One of those, one of the perspectives on the whole like hell and eternity and you know question is um, that I think of is that the hell is eternal because that option always is there for us. You know, like we are always given the option to turn away from God and and uh, and so, but as far as like who is spending time in hell or not at any time, you know? I mean, there's just things we just don't know. But, uh, and at the same time, what you were saying about that mix between good and evil or letting somebody become the evil that they really want to be or something. I don't know. It's just an interesting, totally as a mind bender of a Well, and so so let me know, Jonathan, doesn't Swedenborg answer it a little bit like a lawyer? And he says like, somebody's nature can never be changed to eternity. Right. Isn't that different than, like, sure, some natures put you in hell, but, like, isn't that different than you have to be in hell for eternity, your nature can't just be changed for eternity? Because isn't isn't there a scenario in which somehow the nature thing is circumvented or or reconstituted that we already have this fully corrupt will, according to Swedenborg, but yet God is doing this miracle of regeneration and bringing people in that. So can you build some kind of, you know, the flying car of the future to somehow fix up somebody who's in that situation? Yeah, and the cameras are still off, right? They're off. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, the, um, uh, because there's something that I've seen in the in the passages that interests me a great deal. I don't know how to put it together, but in some of the passages, it almost sounds like what he calls hell is actually where people go to be punished and then they go back to somewhere else you know there's mm. somewhere that they go down you know like in the in that one room where people are fantasizing about money and mm-hmm. thinking and they're only allowed to say certain you're allowed to say what's mine is yours but not what yours is oh, mine yeah. whatever it is there's certain rules that apply but if anybody tries to rip somebody else off 
uh, they go down to a place of punishment and then they get out. Now, I don't know what that out is or where they are when they're not in, you know, when you read Swedenborg's uh, things like Heaven and Hell, where he's describing it, it's pretty cut and dried. Here's heaven, here's hell, never the twain shall meet, world of spirits in the middle. But when you actually see him describing those communities, hell is just like people who live in this neighborhood. You know, it's more like this world in a way. You know, there's a bad neighborhood, here's a good neighborhood or something. And and, uh, I'm not saying that the bad neighborhoods in this world are all hellish or something like that. But uh, in other words, they're all living side by side. You know, he he talks about uh, in some works that when when people sort of get their act together, they just move to a different apartment. You know, it's like yeah. it's more all together mm. or something than the yeah. kind of separate right thing that he does. You know, and so I'm not sure whether sometimes what he means by hell is that place of punishment, and that's quite temporary for people. They get out of there. Yeah, you know, but what you call that other thing, or is is there hell, and then there's yeah. hell, hell, or something? And I, I don't know what it is. And why all the vastation? Like he talks about people who have this really dire evils, and he's like, only after a long period of time can that be removed. Yeah. So what's the progression? And where are you going? And if you're going to give me all this human body metaphor, and he even talks about evil like manure, which then goes back in the ground and becomes food, and you can eat food. You get, so it just seems to me like, could he, A, have had, like known something he wasn't allowed to share because it would have made us all spiritually lazy, or B, there's like something down the pike. You'd think there'd have to be, but so. Yeah, and I think if if the Lord sees that there's any possibility of you going to heaven, he'll keep you in that other world for a long, long time. It seems like, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. hundreds, thousands of years or whatever. It's maybe there's a shot, you know? Mm-hmm. And and uh, so people really have to opt in to the hell thing, I, th- I think. Okay. But uh, but I still like George's answer. It hasn't been eternal yet. Yeah, so there's, <laughs> there's, there's, yeah. there's still yeah. game to be played. Still time on the clock. Okay. So great question, Praveen. And, and it's just fun to just think about it. And whatever the answer is, it's got to be like, when you finally understand it, it's like, oh yeah, that is that's loving and wise It'll because click, that, that's yeah. the nature of God, right? And the, that's and the right. That's the more important thing to focus on. All right, let's look at our next question. Are we gonna turn the cameras on. Yeah. <laughs> yes, right. Okay, we're back on the air. Mister Binkers the cat says, "Why do some people <laughs> who commit murder get cast into hell, when most other people want to go to hell?" Speaking about the damned, of course. Hey, so we're talking about hell. Let's stay on hell. Yeah. And I think what he's talking about here is. We talk in this show about we were just like you know playing it up. You know, you want to go to hell. People want to go to hell. But Swedenborg often does say this person he was exposed as a murderer and then cast into hell. So that's right. It's like we want to go and we're cast. Um, how do you reconcile that, or are we just like you know saying what people want to hear when they want to hear it? Well, I guess one thought the Swedenborg speaks so interestingly about the nature of our affection. Like we just did this show on the spirals and stuff and and he and he talks about how we are what we love and that there's this really intricate process of how you change from loving one thing to loving another thing because it is our life and if it if we get separated from it we stop existing Mm. so we have to live in the love that we have and so but our love is also based on it's how we are connected to other spirits and angels in the spiritual world and so it's like this really thick naughty thing like our at least it gives me that sense from reading what Swedenborg says and so um so in terms of like people getting 
cast into hell. He, he says it looks like somebody goes headlong into hell or something like that, but that's because it's being driven by what they love. Like what they love is just so, you know, it's like trying to hold a magnet away from the other thing that it's just like, get me there. Yeah. Um, and so it looks like they're flying and being cast down, but it's really that their love couldn't let any other arrangement exist. Mm, yes. um, and, and so the, so one other thought is just how Swedenborg talks about how to change our love. That's why it takes so long. That's why the last judgment didn't happen till thousands of years after Christ came on earth because people's loves were all confused with each other. You know, like they, they loved hellish people and hellish people were connected with these good people and they couldn't be separated into clean, you know, spiritual different communities where they actually belonged because because of the love thing like that it takes Mm. this very slowly you move from being connected to one spiritual society to then this other spirit that's just Mm. a little bit of a shifted love in a different direction and then another shifted love and and so like we talked about in that spiral show if you were just to go like boom let me just save you and take you from hell to heaven you would collapse you know like you couldn't make it through that process um and so I guess just thinking about it in terms of like spiritual science, in terms of love is a substance and it is our spirit. And so it connects with what we were talking about before where hell, if you are so embroiled in this, you know, I don't know, like just hearing about the atrocities that people do, like especially, you know, a woman, that journalist was just found who was literally dismembered in a submarine, you know, was just like, who knows what that guy's motive was, who killed her and who kno- who knows did what to her before he cut her body to pieces um it's like what love is driving that person and are they just really caught up in it like so they've made that their life in which case yeah that's going to take a long time you know to shift get a little bit of truth in there get a little bit of shifting from this but if they've just you know that's going to take uh you know a long long time and yet i don't think like god said like we're talking about that that striving to free somebody because ultimately hell is its own you know false like illusion like it's not a way to live it's not blessedness right. <laughs> or happiness at all and so you know wanting to change that love but those are some i, yeah. I think it's an uh, uh um the works often dancing between what he calls an appearance and the reality or things like that i think the appearance is that people get cast down I think the the reality is that they always choose. And another factor that he throws in sometimes, which to me seems just like human nature, I can recognize this in myself, where who wants to sort of face up to the fact that, yes, you know, I chose evil and I feel good about it. No, no, people want to go, ah, you're hurting me. Oh, what are you doing? Oh, look what he's doing. Ah, you know, and they have this big act about how, you know, the Lord's throwing him in. Oh, he's so mean. Oh, look, yeah. you know. Because, you know, they want the self-pity and they don't, you know, why would that falsity want to be truthful about I chose evil because I love it? You know, they went, no, no, the falsity is, and no, God is angry and nasty and that's why I'm being thrown. And so I think they sort of play that game and that's why it has that appearance of being cast down. Uh, But actually it's a totally willing Jester on the, you know, yeah. people's part. Well, I was well, going to say, yeah. you go ahead. Oh, so I think our language actually reflects that as well. Like when we think about the power of love, 
um, we say we're falling in love mm. or, you know, like we, mm. I think we recognize inherently the power that love has to draw us, the affinity mm. of it, the, the gravity say, yeah. of it, right? And so, yeah. um, and heaven is built on the affinity of love. So a, a really, really strong evil love, like that's, that's going to create a powerful kind of movement, mm. I think. So that kind of makes cool. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. And I, I do want to echo what you guys were saying. It's important anytime you uh, have anything Swedenborg says, like hold it at arm's length because there are times when he writes according to the appearance because yeah. he'll say cast into hell, but then he very clearly, as you were mentioning, says, well, it looks like they're cast into hell, but really head first, but really it's their own love casting. But but he won't in all areas where he says cast into hell make that distinction. No, that's right. Um, so anytime, I did, that, that's why we put hundreds and hundreds of hours of content about Swedenborg stuff up because I really do feel like the more you understand the whole, the more the parts make sense. Because otherwise, right. I remember when, when Swedenborg in Life, the show started, it was because we were reading through this section of the spiritual, the world of, world of spirits, world of spirits right. section in Heaven and Hell. Right. And that begins. Um, the world of spirits is not heaven or hell, but a place that we go before we're raised into heaven or cast into hell. Right, so right there, and he doesn't say, "Well, actually, we choose it with love." If you, if that's the only, you yeah, just be like, right. "Okay, well, that Wesley might as well written that." But if you <laughs> right. look at his theology as a whole, you realize that this is an entirely different thing. So it is like Swedenborg is a risky business to get into without without just okay. I read that; it's bothering me. Let's see if like is there a commentary on it? But he does that something. He just like will write in the appearance, and it would be impossible for him to explain it every time because right um, there's so much. And I, this is my favorite example. I think is love of God and love of the neighbor. We just recently had somebody asking. So it, well, that's interesting that love of God is supposed to be on the top. You know, okay. I guess right. it depends on what kind of God. Because it sounds like he's saying the thing you're supposed to love the most is the idea of oh God. God is, but he say he says in heaven and hell. I believe loving God is not loving God for the image that God projects, but loving the goodness that comes out of God. Loving the which is a totally different thing, right? (laughs) But he's just like, oh, here I'm going to define it. I hope you read that because from now on, I'm just saying (laughs) love. That's that's, yeah, that's the world of Swedenborg. It's very dangerous. So you need us to (laughs) guide you through it, and you can donate (laughs) patreon.com. One last, just like in thinking about, um, you know. Our lives, it's so hard to talk about hell from this side of the spiritual world because we just don't know. We're all still in the world, and anybody who's listening to this show is also still in this world. <laughs> so none of us are, you know, uh, have that the kind of um, transparency that happens when we're in the spiritual yes, world. So, right. like, any sort, you know, we can't be making judgments on people. But, um, but on that principle of that idea of how important what we like Swedenborg puts that emphasis on how we live in our lives in this world is really important because it's going to determine whether we're brought into heaven or cast into hell is even if he's using it that way, it is that whole, you know, that power of love of um, the life that we're creating while we're here. And it made me think of, um, tell me if I'm quoting this wrong, but uh, in speaking, I guess it's in John where it says like the light came into the world or I'm probably mixing up two quotes, but they, hated the light because their deeds were evil, right? Or something like this whole, that um, it's while we're in this world, when we, that's why that discernment and reflection is so important because whenever, if we're doing something, we might not realize how much that's affecting this 
love substance, you know, how much we're getting caught up in, you know, netted into a love that really isn't going to serve us in the long run. And so being able to start that process now of holding things, you know, more lightly or redirecting our deeds in a more heavenly direction. So, And like a parent, I think um, the Lord doesn't mind using, you know, sort of mildly threatening language sometimes <laughs> because he has an outcome that he desires. Yeah. So right. if we feel a little scared about, oh, I'm going to get thrown into hell, you know, yeah. uh, he doesn't mind. He can work with that. Right. Right. There you go. Great so, scream name, by the way. Yeah, Mr. Bankers, <laughs> very much appreciate it. Tell your owner we said hello. Um, okay, <laughs> next question. Ramona, I enjoy Swedenborgian Life videos, but I'm having trouble coming up with a way to serve. Mm. I'm a bit socially awkward Aww. and not wealthy or anything. What are some ideas to serve? Mm. And well, and that's a it's a great comment because it is important that right word, you know, when people ask what is off the left eye mean, and sometimes I'll say that part of it is that the left side in Swedenborg is this sort of intellectual side, whereas the right side is the love side. So you've got it like we can talk about concepts and things, but the power in in lives is going out and, and doing things. So how do you do something? You know, and and what if you know there's certain ways to to help and serve that come naturally and easily to people, you know, what if what if it's tougher for us to access it? Is do some of us have a harder time tapping into like the wellspring of spiritual life? So mm. love to hear your your thoughts on that. Uh, I've been talking a lot, but I do have a couple of thoughts. You want to go ahead first? Sure. I was just thinking that um, uh, I love Swedenborg's emphasis on that we're all unique. Everyone has their own love and their own understanding, and so there's some usefulness. You know, the Lord didn't make everybody socially, you know, like a, a, amazing and easy or so. You know, some yeah. people have a difficult a time in a social thing. situation. The Lord didn't, you know, not everybody's wealthy or whatever. And there's a there's a way to serve. But what's difficult is we're not born with an owner's manual, so we don't know, you know, what what is our our way. It's difficult to find that way. One thought that occurred to me is that. Ultimately, like in the spiritual world, um, uh, loving and understanding things is is actually a useful thing to do. You know, I know that you want to do something more than just that, uh, but loving and understanding things is because everybody does that in a unique way. And so, developing the things that you love and the things that you understand, but then also just seeking and praying maybe for ways to. Uh, be able to make a unique contribution that that does work. I had a, a grandmother who felt that she was just, I don't know, she had nothing to offer. Uh, but and when she heard about like going to the heaven, she just thought, well, I don't know what I'll be doing. I guess I'd be making sticky buns because that's my, my main thing, you know, <laughs> or something. And that's what she thought she would do yeah. in heaven. And um, trying to find a way that like, well, this is something I love. And finding a way f for people to need that, but I so appreciate the heart in that statement. It's just a beautiful statement, like, "Hey, I'm I'm in. You know, I want right. to help out." So right. I really love that spirit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was reminding me of the show that we did called "Does My Life Matter?" And mm. similar to what you said, you are you you are a unique, loving and understanding creation that the Lord made, and so um, just that in itself. Uh, is so important and in that show we talked about how somehow even our existence in this world if we don't feel like we're being majorly of service anywhere we are actually this anchor for the spiritual world for some you know uh, societies of spirits and things like that and so um, like you said 
loving in whatever way feels true to you is is a way that somehow is serving also just the unseen part that's um, right of the world and uh yeah and also and similar to what you said about seeking and praying i just think um i think the word is meant to be that manual that we can go to um like developing Uh a personal relationship with the word is a is a way to maybe just move forward to really see how the Mm. the guidance that you can get from the word and how it might be it might not be telling you do this today you know but it's going to be giving you guiding principles of trusting that the lord's providing you you know that he is giving you a future with hope and you know just is going to be leading you every day and i will show you the way in which you should go and you know just that being able to put one foot in front of the other and trust that any any earth or people you know any objects that you're coming in contact with the lord will make you of service to them in some way i withdraw my remark about the owner's manual (laughs) (laughs) that was a very good point um yeah i mean i think i think i love the emphasis on everyone's uniqueness because there certainly isn't only isn't not only one way to serve and um what i really do love about the swedenborgian worldview is that everyday moments matter right like in a person's life but also in the trajectory of the world you know that um that there is no such thing as too small a way to serve mm-hmm. you know that that it all really counts and i think that's wonderful and of course sometimes that means that we swedenborgians forget about collective action but that's okay you know like <laughs> we um I really think it's beautiful, the optimism that can be found in just the small things. And so I know for myself, sometimes I just tend to discount the small things. And especially as someone who is also something of an introvert, you know, it can feel really hard to like even the being present to somebody in simple things like saying, you know, the night, the niceties of life, but then sometimes that can really matter to somebody, Mm -hmm. you know, like, um, really looking someone in the eye and saying thank you, or, um, you know, that, that presence, I think, can also be service in a way that sometimes we, we -hmm. just forget about, you know, um, and that, that the, the way that our culture is going, actually, I think presence is becoming so much more underrated than it used to be Mm. you know and that i think service um that kind of service to the world is really important yeah 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 so i want to tell you a joke that that my sister once told me um so one one day jesus returns to the earth it's a it's a has jesus in it if that's all right um and he says all right hey come on all the rich people all the cool people you're coming with me up to heaven and they're like, yeah, that's great. And the rest of the people are like, well, wait, you said that the meek would inherit the... Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, which the point, the reason for me telling that is like, if the truth is going to set us free, it can't be that the truth works out better for people who already have stuff. You know? that it's, if, if you're saying, hey, it's all about going out and serving. That's what's the best of life. But I don't really have the means, you know, Ramona says, socially or, or uh, with monetarily then it's no it's got what the thing that i love about the essence when i when i read something in swedenborg that really like that's awesome it's because it destroys those hierarchies and yeah. networks it makes it so that no that that life is just as good for everybody 
So it's got to be that whatever the truth is, is just as good news for Ramona as it is for everyone else. Um, and it makes me think of that, the widow that gave two mites. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's and that's a whole less. There's not that many parables that Jesus wants to get in there. But, you know, this that matters. And so I think about the intent, that it's the intent that matters. That, that if you if you are where you already are, Ramona, saying, I want to do something, that, that is that is an asset on the ground for heaven. And that, that's going to be something that they're going to tap into and use. Um, and I also say that, and this is corny, but like, I think you did a little serving right here by, by saying, good. hey, I have some things that I feel like are shortcomings. Because we all do. It doesn't matter. If so, somebody who's rich and seems to be popular, I'm sure that there's stuff with them that they're like, oh, this is a problem. So to, to, to draw focus to the, that we have mm-hmm. these things about ourselves that we're wondering about, that's just like, we don't always think of that in spirituality. Sort of like the, the personal journey. So I feel like yeah. just us talking about these concepts in light of that is important. So I think honesty and just being who you are in that case, we're talking about your experience, I would say. Um, matters. And, and so you did a little something there, and yeah, hopefully that it just more and more will come. Uh, so I just really appreciate you being willing to, to, yeah. to share well, that there's, with us. There's that other parable um, also where the people who come late in the day to serve in the vineyard and they get, they just, get just as much, you know, payment as the people who were there all day, and so also people can feel like, oh, I'm near the end of my life, or who knows, you know, I don't know, like, people can feel like, oh, I've wasted my life, and I haven't you know, been of service in the way that maybe yeah. I would dream to be, but it's like doesn't matter. You know, that timing is yeah. right now is what's important to the mm. to the Lord. So I think that's part of why, and I know that this does sometimes defeat uh, collective action, like you're talking about. But why Swedenborg is saying, "Hey, the way that you help is do what you do with love and integrity, whatever your your daily routine is." I think part of the advantage of that is. That otherwise it's like, well, I know somebody who like went, you know, to blank country and helped out so much, but I've just here and like, so it's not like a who can who can outserve somebody else, yes, but it's right. you know, you all have access. I remember once my my cousin, I'm just like naming relatives of mine, um, <laughs> but she was somebody who was that person. Like she went everywhere to every continent, mm. did all this serving, and she once said to me, um, actually, like. The place you're best primed to to help is the place you uh, you you're native to because you know the language you know the culture you actually can do more there and I would take that down a scale to like the people that you know in your life uh, the the things that you're doing you, you in some way you're like set to so I'm not saying don't go out there and do all kinds of cool stuff and, and reach across the world and do right. stuff but also right. that that every time you do something with love and integrity or, tr- or with the intent towards that. In, in our own little lives with the people we're around, that's cool too, which we already know, but it's just it's just good to, yeah. to say it. So, um, okay. Hey, let's keep going. I said All we would right. keep going. Let's keep going. Great question, uh, Ramona. Thank you again. Okay, next one. Ben, wondering about reincarnation. I've seen this show dedicated to this topic, but are there any further thoughts? Mm. Um, okay, so we did a show, and the show was called Do We Reincarnate? And... They, uh, we essentially just gave out everything that Swedenborg says and looked at particular parallels um, that, that while he doesn't seem to advocate for reincarnation into the physical body, a lot of the stuff he describes happening in the spiritual world is very similar to what a lot of cultures have described as reincarnation. So, 
Shada, I don't know if you've seen that show or not, but I, I we're trying to think beyond that show. So I'll let, I'll let one of you two start this. Do you have any further thoughts, either since the show or stuff we didn't get to cover there? Well, the show on spirals influenced me so much. Mm-hmm. I was very uh, affected by that. And the thought of going around and coming around again, and then you're just ahead a little bit and all that kind of thing. Um, one of my thoughts is, is sort of more intellectual. It's just that... Um, I really think from what Swedenborg says, because there's something somewhat similar to reincarnation, which is the idea of the pre-existence of the soul before the body. Okay. You know, like the soul is up in the spiritual world, and then you choose who your parents are going to be, you get born right. here, and you forget all that. Then you go back, because it's kind of part of reincarnation, because every time you reincarnate, you've been in the spiritual world, then you get born again. Uh, Swedenborg emphasizes that the, um, that the only way to form a human mind is in a human body. Like the spirit does not form up in the clouds or so, you know, this is where, this is how, the Lord knows how to do it. You know, this is where our minds and hearts uh, develop. So there's kind of a structural problem with the reincarnation idea to me because it's got an element and uh, your body really, although you, you can't see exactly how, but it really is the body of your spirit. I mean, not to be morbid, but when you see a dead body, like, there's nobody home, you know. Yeah. I mean, they they left, you know. Yeah. That that animating spirit is gone. It's really well. You your death experiences. Living. People always report like looking back at their own bodies and like, who's that? Who's you know? that? Yeah. Right, right. Nothing to to write home about. And and so um, uh, the idea uh, that you would be in somebody else's body or the, that you'd have another body or a whole series of bodies or something like that. Mm. I I just think. It's a it's a weird weird thought. I think it comes from some wisdom, as your show indicated, that was true about the cyclical nature of how we we grow and develop over time, and also from that um, the deja vu thing, like just the fact that mm-hmm. spirits influence our thoughts, and so you they, they even have access to our memories, and occasionally their memories leak into ours, and so that sort of makes you feel like, well, wait, I'm remembering something that I don't remember. I must have been, you know, but when yeah. you've figured the spirits in, I think there's a better explanation than reincarnation. That's my thought. Very good. Nice. Um, I guess one thought that was maybe tangential to the show, but not necessarily further from it, but because um, I, I am interested in reading about the, the sacred texts that that do talk about reincarnation as it's what's happening. And I, I haven't studied a whole lot, but in one of the Upanishads, um, there's the story of this guy named Nachiketa, and he um, goes and visits death, and death teaches him about reincarnation. Um, but the language there is uh, so much about, you know, another common symbol in, um, in those texts and also in Buddhism is the wheel of samsara, like this, the birth and death, birth and death. Someday you will escape that hamster wheel of birth and death, and then you will be enlightened. Um, and the language around that is really so easy to understand that spiritually, you know, on a correspondentially Mm. of like, uh, our proprium, that part of ourselves that just thinks we live of ourselves. And it's just like one day to the next, you know, when am I going to get what I want? And oh, now I've lost what I want. And now I want that, you know, just that attachment, all that stuff. That's that wheel of birth and death and birth and death and birth and death. And, um, and same with even just the level of ourselves that is so caught up in the 
world of change around us. You know, things are always changing. Um, that I see just those teachings about reincarnation being about that ability to for us to find our centeredness in a in in a, the the Lord in us. You know, consciousness that is eternal and is you know always there apart from you running on your hamster wheel every day you know and so that we can break free of that cycle of samsara when we come into that awareness you know of of a consciousness so i think that um you know it's not even about i mean for one yes there's the cycling and spiraling that goes on for eternity and i'm going to be so interested to experience the appearance of time in the spiritual world. I don't know what that's like. Yeah. Um, but even just for our lives in this world, we can, you know, contemplate the difference between, am I just caught up in reincarnation? Cause it's not like reincarnation is meant to be something you are doing. It's, it's the idea that you eventually stop doing that, yeah, you know, right. like, yeah. and, um, and so like the grander principle is like, how are you just, living in this birth and death mm. cycle right now and how could you connect in with this you know with eternity now which we have that show how to how, how to connect how to, to live in eternity, eternity now yeah. <laughs> so. that's right but basically yeah. any phrase you can say we've had a show <laughs> with that title by now nice. <laughs> so given all that Jada, do you have any thoughts you want to just kick out there um i'm not sure i do i really actually appreciate the spiral uh metaphor that you're that you're speaking of, I think that fits in really well with, with the idea of, of reincarnation and that, and that optimistic sense you had, you said of, of, uh, of actually finally reaching what feels like solid ground, you know, in mm-hmm. a way, like something that's mm-hmm. actually like, this is who I am or, or uh, maybe you lose the sense of self, but you know, that this is, this is, you know, my spiritual home or my spiritual place, like a final, a final sense of peace, I think is a really optimistic, um, outcome. And, um, and there are so many ways that we experience little deaths in our life, I think Mm -hmm. of, of, uh, of parts of ourselves that we once considered really important. And, uh, and so I'm actually really, you know, I'm gonna have to do some thinking about this, this sense of reincarnating in our own selves then like mm. if part of ourselves die right what right. does that mean to then reclaim our sense of self and to reincarnate into our own mm. sense of self after we experience these deaths that seemed you know really important to us at one point and then we recognize don't serve us or god mm. yeah what does that mean to like to rebirth ourselves, you know, mm-hmm. in that sense, that's a uh, that's kind of cool. I never thought about that. If your if your love changes over the course of your life, you're embodying, you're incarnating a different yeah, love. Right. You know, learning how to have that different love living in in that body or something like that. That's right, a very interesting right. thought. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of love, I mean, so love is truth. I mean, I think about the the love like we were talking before, different churches. Different doctrines, same love. And the love I've seen behind people who are digging the idea of reincarnation is, you know, even though myself, I, I, I'm not sure about it, but the one thing that I think people like is it diffuses some tension around competition. Like, oh, well, you're, you know, you may have lived 14 more lives than me. Like, why are you so much 
wiser than I am. Right? Okay. <laughs> um, but also um, this sort of like, oh, you can, you do choose your parents and that, that there's a level on which we're all buddies. You know, that, that we were, yeah, that things right. get so twisted and crazy down here, but it's like, okay, when we get back to the other side of the curtain. So whether or not that's happening, I, I love, I love the idea. So, so I'm just thinking about the, the good heart uh, that's mm-hmm. in there. So it's just mm-hmm. cool to think about somewhere we're going to meet where you find the, the love and the, the truth together, whatever that means. But so I, I thought that was cool. I think we're going to do one more because I think that clock is like one minute fast. So we're gonna, <laughs> let's do one more question and then we'll okay. wrap it up. And this is from Pirate Bird XBA. The thought of two people merging into one angel is kind of frightening for me. <laughs> I sincerely hope Swedenborg says it's just how it appears in heaven <laughs> and not actually two people becoming one. Well, and if you're scared of that, there's a lot more to be scared of in heaven because Swedenborg <laughs> will talk about whole communities appearing as one, as one as angel one. and the whole Talking of heaven one. appearing as one. So is it, a, is it a terrifying place? And it's certainly like... Yeah, the Swedenborg does talk about the intimacy in what he calls conjugal love getting so intense. But yeah, is it like you lose your sense of identity? I'd love to hear. What do you guys think? What, what, what do we have to tell Pirate Bird? Well, I mean, the question of identity is something that Swedenborg talks about sometimes. But I think the most beautiful teaching that he has about it is that the more angels are willing to give up their own sense of self-identity, the more they actually get their own sense of self-identity, right? right? Like, it's this complete paradox. And I think that that, you know, is um, is sort of where these ideas are all going, right? This, like, uh, when we cling, like, what are we clinging to? When we cling to our sense of self, what what is the clinging about, I think, is the main question. Because I don't think that, in any sense, God is wanting to obliterate us for any causal purpose. So, like, our... Our selfhood is incredibly important to God. It's absolutely necessary for being able to reciprocate love to God and to other people. So our selfhood is is paramount, but the question is what animates it or fills it or, um, you know, gives it in its internal, right? Like, and, and how do we hold it? I think are the, the questions. And so when, and I think that has relationship to how we understand becoming one with other people too, right? Like, yeah. and I completely relate to this question, by the way, you yeah, know, yeah, just yeah. like this, you know, like I, I, yeah. I'm talking as if, you know, like I completely understand, but it's like, no, I get this question for yes. sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's a, a passage that I happen to remember, um, Divine Providence 4, subsection 4, that talks about that the, a, a form is more perfect the more that its component parts are distinctly different and yet working in harmony. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that, and I, I apply that situation to marriage as well, that I really think what Swedenborg's talking about is not sort of a, a merging, like there are some polyps or something that when they get too close to each other, they'll <laughs> just merge into one. Thing. Yes. I, 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 I like it, honey. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's like that. And Swedenborg is so big on that idea of love and that love being so intense and so beautiful and such a focus of so many things. And there's just no love. If, if your spark plug is too close, it, there's no there's no spark, right? Like the, there's no gap in there. I, I think there has to be an absolute sense. And I do th- see some things that Swedenborg says that, there's a, a, a real sense of this is someone outside of you, you know, like if you're in one of these couples, this is totally somebody outside of yourself. You know, yeah. you don't feel like, oh, I forgot, is that my elbow or your elbow or something, <laughs> you know. But um, 
<laughs> except on your anniversary, <laughs> which which would be would would be creepy. Um, <laughs> and I think it is a realization, like the way that he says that many people in a group, in a in a company, in a society, all kinds of things yeah. will function as one person. It's not that you lose the identity. The cool thing is that you have all these little identities that are going into this larger identity. So I think it's a bigger thing, not a not a mushy merge. Right, you know. Right. So this is a, a Swedenborgian conundrum to have as a parent because my when my uh, daughter asked the other day, or one of my kids did, Mom, are cells people? <laughs> <laughs> and I just, you know, I said, well, no, they're just cells. But then that just sparked so many thoughts in my mind because Swedenborg says that heaven is like one giant person. And so if you bring that down to, you know, as little as component parts, you have these little cells that are... Um, you know, all being themselves. I mean, it's interesting what people are finding out about how the different, you know, flora in our guts affects our sense of ourselves. Um, but uh, in thinking about the principle of what you were saying, Shada, about how the closer we're united to the Lord, the more clear and distinct our sense of our own identity is, um, that any the marriage between two people is an image of the heavenly marriage. And so what Swedenborg which exists in the Lord. And that um, heavenly marriage, Swedenborg says, is very much like the uh, marriage between our heart and our lungs, you know? And we're all used to just seeing, oh, here's your lungs, they breathe, here's your heart, it pumps, or whatever. And like, but you could never actually have heartless lungs or lungless heart, like right. that. those two. And I was thinking about it the other day, you know, there's ways you can, you know, you can draw it in an anatomy book or something like that, but you couldn't actually disentangle the heart from mm. the lungs or the lung from the heart, you know, because mm. they are entirely co-innervated and, you know, just their little right. tiny capillaries and vessels that feed into each other like that. Binding there is so complete. Um, and yet we don't call it one organ, you know, it's not your And they don't prongs. control each other, I don't think. Right? No, they, right, right. I mean, they affect each other, but they don't, yeah. there's not one that's the master and the other's the slave or something. So I, th I just think that perfectly, the the human body is just such a great place to find things to contemplate around that idea of the more yeah. distinct the things are, the, the better it all is actually. And that's just so true of every part of our body. And I feel pretty clear it's not a hostile takeover of one person over another. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's not like... Okay, I'll be the person, and then you be the puppet. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, well, that, that's not how it works. And Swedenborg says that angels are horrified by the idea of two people ever being the same. Yeah, yeah everybody right. is distinct, and that if you try to imagine two people that are the same, angels actually recoil in, yeah. in terror. Yeah. So this, even though we're yeah, even though there seems to be like hey, there's going to be so much intimacy, like in all area, heaven is just layers of intimacy on intimacy. It's never, um, right, there is always distinction. And if you think, you guys mentioned the, the God-person relationship, which Swedenborg does talk about married couples getting really close, but the God-person relationship is even closer because God mm -hmm. is where your life is coming. But even there, it doesn't matter how close you get, the more close you get, the more you feel autonomous, independent, like you already said, but that's so central to the divine design. Like that's, that's right. That's mm -hmm. there for the long haul. And it, you even think, you talked about love and wisdom being in God. You'd think, all right, well, if, if, all, if everyone was perfect, you know, it would all just be what you could even talk about God as love and wisdom. Even though they're both in there, but there's distinct. Right. Even there, there's enough distinction. distinction. They're the same, but there's enough distinction. And and that Swedenborg mentions multiple times 
that you you gain more and more of this autonomy no matter how close you get. So it's got to be that if marriage between people is reflecting the heavenly marriage, it's the same thing of that autonomy. And that that's the that's the point of what happiness is not like I am everyone. It's that I can help someone who isn't me or give them happiness. Yeah. That is heaven. You know, so you got to have, we got to all be our own players in order to make the game for everyone else. So. And there's a great feeling of being at a sporting event or something like that where like everybody in the stadium is like, wow, you're all roaring together. You know, it's fun to be part of yeah. a of a oneness, even though yeah. it's made up of all these individual parts. Yes. So that's a good feeling. But I think it's like that feeling, not like a feeling of someone else controlling your yes. brain or something. Mm-hmm. What I thought of before was it's not unity of of um, of person, but unity of purpose. Like that's happening. Yes, this like right. we all so love this cause and are wanting the same. That's wanting the same thing. And Swedenborg even says for conjugal love that it's you want what the other one wants, and, and that that's what it is. Not that you are the same. Like you want right. their happiness, they want your happiness. Like not like to possess it, but to give happiness to someone. So anyway, it's uh, it is not something to be afraid of. Um, what whatever it is, just like with the hell thing we we're talking about before. Who knows what this stuff is actually? We're, we're approximating it. Whatever it is, is got to be cool. Like when you actually understand <laughs> right. it for what it is, because it's, it's love and wisdom in essence that are making it. So there's no way that it's like we would sit here and realize, well, that's a weird thing. But God is just like, well, I just want to do it. You know, <laughs> it can't be how it is. It's got to be something that you're going to be like, oh, that's that's legit. Like, I like that. You know, so I love the honesty of just saying. It's actually frightening, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. No, I remember when yeah. being being a younger person, uh, like when I was first coming across that in Swedenborg. I was like, "That's weird. I don't like that." There's a ton of stuff in Swedenborg, yeah. but yeah. now, but now I just assume like, "Well, it's going to be awesome. Whatever it is, is going to be good. Yeah. You know, because because I've I've like I don't know, gone brain dead there. But I'm just like, whatever it is, it's got to be good. You know, by by the time we get there. So. Well, I guess that that's a good time. So one more question. Yeah. It was an extra 10 minutes. You always got a bonus there. That's because we love hanging out with you. Uh, and thanks so much for having the interest to to talk with us for this long. And thanks to the whole panel. You are all mm-hmm. awesome. I love just hearing your, your insights and your thoughts. And uh, I appreciate you taking some time uh, on a Monday night here. Everybody, we're going to be back next week. And we don't even know what we're going to be doing. We're going to be on a tr- filming trip to Vancouver. And we're hoping to do a community chat live from the Whistler area. Um, so we'll see. Uh, and I'll, Chelsea, I'll fill you in on that a little bit. Um, but that's what we hope to do. If not, we'll have something wonderful for you. But hopefully see you live next Monday night again. In the meantime, hope you have a great week and that all your spiritual questions are answered. <laughs> oh, right. Um, I was thinking maybe we could end this show with me saying that every time. But Patreon.com slash off the left eye if you want to support us and make this show happen. It's a way that you can give just a little bit of money for each episode and that helps us make this thing possible and in return we give you a thanks of behind the scenes content. Uh, oh yeah, sorry Shada about your, your head there, but this week we had some <laughs> Uh, what I would call hilarious outtakes from our filming of the theater scene. Uh, you may disagree. Feel free to leave a comment about it on Patreon. But join to get all kinds of behind-the-scenes thoughts and access and just our little way of saying thanks for making this this stuff, the, the big show, the Monday night stuff, possible. So, again, everyone, have a great weekend. Thanks to the whole panel, and we'll, we'll see you all Thanks, Gary. Swedenborg and Life is Amy Aquarola, Morgan Beard, Curtis Childs, Karen Childs, Matthew Childs, Alexa Cole, John Connolly, Cara Dom, Chris Dunn, Stuart Farmer, Ben Keyes, Reed McArdle, Chelsea Odner, Jonathan Rose, Shiloh Silverman, and Shada Sullivan. <laughs>